This is the word of the Lord. Paul says, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out, he says, for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, would you come and help us um, to be shaped by this word, uh, to be transformed by what Paul has written, what your spirit has included in this letter and has preserved for us throughout the ages. Um, Lord Jesus, would you, would you help us in this time to, to see why Paul says that there's a surpassing worth about knowing Christ Jesus that surpasses the worth of all other things. Help us to get a little glimpse of that this morning, we ask. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Well, uh, what if I told you that, that I am a descendant of John Sevier, the Revolutionary, Revolutionary War hero, the first governor of Tennessee? It's true. And what if I told you that... Uh, my great-great-grandfather, J.W. Cherry, um, was a Methodist minister who was, at one time, the chaplain for Tennessee's House of Representatives. He was. Pretty impressive. And what if I told you that my mom, um, who served for 36 years in her career, uh, in the collection division of the Internal Revenue Service. But what if I told you that she was once the National Collections Manager of the Year? National. She went to the White House to receive an award for this. It's true. Now, I, I receive all of that by birth. 
I didn't do anything to earn any of those uh, kinds of pedigree. Um, but there are some things that I did accomplish myself. What if I told you that when I graduated from high school from the great Charlotte Christian School, the real CCS, um, that upon my graduation, I received uh, what only one student every year received. It's a, a trophy, the Headmaster's Cup. I received the Headmaster's Cup. What if I told you that uh, I had in my possession, and I could have brought them here today, but they're so valuable, I didn't want to drop them and break them. What if I held before you, like Moses held the tablets, my two master's degrees from Dallas Theological Seminary, which, by the way, is one of the biggest and greatest seminaries in the world. Um, and what if, along with those, I brought you my framed certificate of ordination in the Presbyterian Church in America for 22 years? I have been an ordained teaching elder in the PCA. What if I brought those and showed you? And what if, I'll, I'll remain on this step. And what if, what if I told you that the greatest accomplishment that I've ever had happened 30 years ago tomorrow when I was smart enough to ask Christine Massey to marry me? And she said yes. She's my trophy wife. You know, it sounds silly for me to say all those things. It, and it is, I guess. It's kind of silly. It, it would be even sillier if I said, uh, you know, all of that, take all of that. I want you to know that I put my full confidence in those things. All of this is to my credit. This is my glory. I'm counting on this stuff. Of course, you'd say I was a fool. You'd say, uh, Jimmy, as impressive as you think all these things are, um, others have better records. Others have better resumes. Others have better pedigrees. And others have performed better than you, except perhaps in the choice of a wife. But other people have done better than that, Jimmy. So whatever you've gained... Someone else has more. Well, as silly as that is, that's what, that's what Paul is doing for the Philippians in his letter at this point. Look what he does in verses 4 through 6. Um, he says, If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, uh, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, which is even better because Benjamin was Rachel's favorite son. And I can't stand on the ladder. A Hebrew of Hebrews, he says. And he just keeps going up the ladder. Well, those are all part of this pedigree. I mean, he was born with those things. But he accomplished a few things too. As to the law, he says, he was a Pharisee. A Pharisee uh, was a sect within Judaism, who wanted to bring back the purity of the law to the people of God. They were serious about keeping God's law. As to zeal, how zealous was Paul? He persecuted the church. He put people in prison. He dragged them off to death 
He stood by and watched Stephen get stoned to death. Nobody's more zealous for the law than Paul. And as to righteousness under the law, as far as anyone could tell, he was blameless. So why is Paul doing this? Why, why is he making such a big deal out of these things? It sounds silly. And I think he means for it to sound silly because he's mocking a group of people known as the Judaizers. Judaizers comes from Jewish. These are, the Judaizers were Jewish false teachers who came from Jerusalem and who would go to all the places where Paul was planting churches and making disciples And they would say, in essence, sure, believe in Jesus as the Messiah. Great, they would tell these Gentile Christians. But you should also follow Jewish laws. He's a Jewish Messiah. You should follow the Jewish laws, especially circumcision. And circumcision kind of became the symbol of Jewish law keeping. The followers of the Jewish Christ will also follow the Jewish laws, they would say. Paul was mocking these people, and he was warning the the Gentile Christians in Philippi that they were on their way. There, There was a group of people who were going to show up in Philippi, he says, and they were going to say to you that it's faith in Christ plus following the law, that it's Jesus plus circumcision. He was warning that these false teachers were coming to town and that they were going to try to get them to shift their confidence away from Christ and back to themselves. And Paul had strong words for these false teachers. He says, look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for these mutilators of the flesh. It was a play on words because uh, the Jews for, for years had referred to Gentiles, to the pagans, as dogs as evildoers and as mutilators of the flesh because the pagans would cut themselves and bleed as part of their worship of their idols. And Paul was saying, no, by trying to get you to put your confidence in your flesh and not in Christ Jesus, these false teachers are just as pagan as the Gentiles they hate. They're dogs, they're evildoers, they're mutilators of the flesh. Look out, Paul says, Because even after knowing Jesus for 10 years, as these people in Philippi had, you can get caught in the trap of putting your confidence in who you are and what you do, and not so much in who Jesus is and what he does and has done. And you may say, well, that's not going to happen to me. Man, I'm a good Presbyterian. I'm a child of the Reformation. I know that I'm saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. But Paul says that if it can happen to the saints in Philippi, it can happen to the saints on Signal Mountain. How? How is that? Well, the Apostle Paul is exposing, in this little section of his letter, um, exposing a structure that people tend to live by that is kind of built into our hearts. Um, It's what Paul Miller calls the boasting failure ladder. We're, we're always living on this ladder somewhere between boasting and failure. 
Um, and Paul, the apostle, is exposing what all of our hearts are prone to do. We're always ready to put our confidence in who we are and what we do and climb the ladder. And again, you may say, well, I, I, I don't do that. That's weird. I, I wouldn't do that. Well, Paul Miller helps. He gives some examples. Let's, let's think about a couple of things. Just plain old boasting, you know, mar- marketing yourself, uh, making sure in that board meeting uh, at work or, or the staff meeting at work that everybody knows that that was your idea. See, that's marketing yourself and climbing the ladder. Um, <laughs> if you have any doubt that our culture is a boasting culture, hello, Instagram. Instagram is about climbing the ladder. How about judging? How about uh, analyzing the failures of others? Because if I know your weaknesses and I can point out your weaknesses, you go down the ladder and it makes my position on the ladder look a little better. So we judge. And then along with that, we gossip. Even better than just judging you in my heart and making my position on the ladder look better, I actually talk to other people about it. I gossip about your failures about your lower place on the ladder, and it makes everybody go, oh, he looks good up here. We gossip. Materialism. Hey, my new car puts me up here, takes a step. My new house, huh? My My new outfit, right? Styling and profiling. Um, you know, <laughs> some of you do your grocery shopping at Walmart. I shop at Pruitt's. Yeah. Or my job, you know, my job or my income, what I make, makes me go up the ladder. So materialism shows up in us. And then along with that, there's envy. Now, I may not have what you have. You, you may actually materially be higher on the ladder than me, but I show that I care about the ladder by being so envious about why you have more than me and better than me. It's, it still shows that I care that I'm on the ladder. Uh, divisions. So my tribe is better than your tribe. So here's my, my tribe ladder and yours is next, next to me. We're both sitting high and pretty on our tribe ladder, but now there's tension between which of our ladders is better. So, uh, you know, my school is better than your school. My, um, My team is better than your team. So my team or my school or, you know, whatever I'm related to puts me higher on the ladder. My political party is better than your political party. That lifts me. I mean, if you vote for that one, fail. You're down there. Um, my church is better than your church. I mean, we, we don't have a building. We don't spend money on buildings. Uh, even inside the church, my small group is better than your small group. We're real. Yeah. Anyway, you can, you get the picture. We're all doing this all the time. I'm doing this all the time. Every one of these. And so Paul's concern that I would put my confidence in who I am and what I do 
rather than in who Jesus is and what he has done, is a legitimate concern. We're always in danger of putting our confidence in us and not in Jesus. And, but Paul is saying to these guys, no, but wait a minute, that's not who we are in Christ Jesus. Verse 3, for we are the circumcision. He said, we're the ones who are truly circumcised of the heart. Those who are trusting in Christ alone are the true circumcision. We worship by the Spirit of God, and we glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. We glory in Christ Jesus. That word means boast. We boast in Jesus. We don't put confidence in the flesh. Paul is saying, this is not who we are. All this ladder climbing. We don't glory and boast in who we are and what we've done. We glory and boast in Jesus. When Paul finally met Jesus on that road to Damascus that day, he found out who Jesus really was. And he found out what Jesus had really done. And it turned Paul's accounting system upside down. It turned his value system upside down. Listen to what he said. He said, but whatever gain I had, and this is all accounting language, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Let me see if I can help you understand what he's saying. Suppose you spent several months making deposits in your bank account, your paychecks, gifts from friends, whatever, whatever you're getting. You're just making deposits all month long into your bank account. And at the end of the month, you decide, I'm going to go online and I'm going to check. I'm just going to see where my balance is. And when you go online and you check, you find out that actually every one of those credits was a debit. Every one of those gains was a loss. You would be devastated. I would be devastated to know that all this time I thought I was gaining, all this time I thought I was crediting, 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 and all I was doing was getting deeper and deeper and deeper into debt. That's what Paul is saying. All that I thought I had gained was actually loss. All of that ladder climbing was actually putting me in debt to God. All of that ladder climbing was not gain. It was actually rubbish. And the ESV is being so sweet to use the word rubbish. It, if, if I were to have put on each step all the things that Paul bragged about about himself, and each thing that I bragged about about myself, and I had them here as some sort of object, Paul is saying now that in order to pick them up and put them in a trash can, I'd have to use one of those little poo bags that I use when I take the dog for a walk. That's the word rubbish. It's excrement. All that I thought was gain is loss. It's rubbish. Here's Paul on the road to Damascus. He says, I'm a hero of the Jewish faith. I'm going to throw these blaspheming Jesus followers in jail. 
more righteousness for me because I'm defending the true Messiah against this imposter, Jesus. But then Jesus shows up. He, he really is the Messiah after all, Paul finds out. Oh, no. All this time I've been working against the true Messiah. I'm undone. I've failed. All of my righteousness has actually been unrighteousness. All that I thought I was doing to please God has been hatred toward God. This is what Paul came to believe that all those things that helped him climb up the ladder to boasting were actually making him go down to failure. And how is that possible? How is that possible? Remember, Paul said that true believers glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. You can't do both. You can't glory in Christ Jesus and glory in yourself. When I put confidence in who I am and what I do, when I glory and boast in me, then I'm stealing glory from Jesus. I'm putting confidence in me that should only be put in Jesus. And each time I think I'm crediting, crediting my account with my righteousness, I'm actually creating a debt of unrighteousness. And so Paul says, true failure is to put your confidence in who you are and what you've done and not in G who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. True failure is to glory in yourself and not in Jesus. True failure is living like there's anything else in life that surpasses the worth of knowing Jesus. This is what Paul is saying. And true success, Paul says, is nothing I can earn on my own. It has to be given to me. In verse 9 he says, I have to be found in Christ Jesus, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from my obedience to the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ is received as a gift. That's what faith is. The righteousness from God that depends on faith, not on me. So friends, Paul has a strong warning for us this morning. Get off the ladder of boasting and failure. Get off. Turn away from putting confidence in yourself and put your confidence in Jesus Christ alone, in Jesus plus nothing. And then, like Paul, we can count everything as loss because we have the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord. Like Paul, we can suffer the loss of all things and count them as rubbish because we have gained Christ. But is his worth really surpassing? Is knowing Jesus really gain? Why, why is knowing Jesus gaining Jesus worth so much? Why is Jesus worth the suffering of the loss of all of my accomplishments. Suffering the loss of all things, as Paul says. It's because, friends, as Paul has shown us, that the worthless life is one that takes seven steps up the ladder to boast in self like he did. 
Jesus took seven steps down. Philippians 2, 6 through 11, there are seven verbs. Although he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. by taking on the form of a servant. Being born in human flesh and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. That's why Jesus is worth losing everything else. Because Jesus, the only one who is able to boast, the only one, the only one who deserves to be exalted in glory, came to take on your every failure, my every failure, including all the ways we failed him by stealing his glory when we put confidence in ourselves. He did this for you. Because he loves you. That's what makes him have surpassing worth. Father, would you come and convince us, convince us again today that all of this ladder climbing we do all the time, it, it, is, it wears us out, but we keep doing it. We keep putting confidence in ourselves. Would you again help us to see Jesus in his worth, in his glory, in his humiliation, in his exaltation, for us, in our place, for the very sin we've committed of putting our confidence in ourselves. He died for that. He came for that. Help us to remember that we are found in him, not having a righteousness of our own, having one that you have given us, the very righteousness of Christ. You have not only forgiven our debt and brought us to the level of zero, you have credited our account with the righteousness of Jesus. Oh God, thank you. Help us to love him more and more because he has loved us. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.